Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. This morning, we want to talk about that flourishing word, because for Jesus and the gospel, it's discipleship, right? And so I want to ask the question, does, does flourishing come? And you're going to be in your small groups this week. We're going through this whole book that we wrote uh, that's a curriculum on the vision statement of our church. And if you want one of these books, they're outside in the lobby. It's a gift from us. Take that, as long as you use it, as long as you get together with somebody else and read it and pray for one another, it's our gift to you. But here's the question we're going to talk about in our groups this week. Maybe you can talk about it in your car with your spouse or with your kids. Does flourishing come from being a Christian or from being a disciple? Does flourishing, does the life that Jesus came to bring us come from being a Christian or does it come from being a disciple? Kind of a trick question, guys. Kind of making your brains work a little bit here. The answer is yes. It comes from both. Because there's no such thing as a Christian or a disciple in the New Testament. They're both the same. They're both the same. And the Bible is really clear about that. If you're a Christian, you're a disciple. If you're a disciple, you're a Christian. There's no double, double, double thing there. And the problem with the American church and the gospel, forgive me, because I preach this gospel many times. I've been a part of church for 25 years. And many times we proclaim the gospel, me included, that says you can be a Christian without being a disciple. And that's simply not the gospel that Jesus preached. That's simply not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know how many times the term Christian is used in the Bible? How many times is Christian even used in the Bible? Three times. Did you know that? How many times is disciple used in the Bible? 269 times. Go go on Bible Gateway and put that in there. It'll astound you, right? Actually, in the Gospels, Jesus didn't even use the term Christian. He used the term disciple. And that's what he came to build and what he came to bring. And unfortunately, we preach the gospel to many people that it's okay to consume Jesus' merit. It's okay to consume Jesus' blood, right? Without following his call. Wow. It's okay to consume Jesus' merit without following his call? Is, is that really what Jesus said? It's okay for us to be spiritual vampires, to come and suck his blood, but care nothing about the life he gave for us and what he called us to? That is not the gospel. Let me illustrate it this way. Did anybody see the movie Private Ryan? One of my favorite movies. Beautiful movie. One of the most moving scenes in Private Ryan was when, as after the war is over, D-Day's done, Private Ryan comes back to the Normandy battlefield, right? And he looks at all these graves. He's overwhelmed. He looks at the grave of the men who gave the life, their lifeblood for his freedom. And he falls down. His wife is there, his kids. He's, he's starting to cry. And he says, tell me I lived a good life. What was he saying? Tell me I lived a life that was worthy of the cost of the price that was given for it. Tell me I lived the freedom that these men bled to give me. Tell me I didn't waste my life. What if Private Ryan would have come home after those men had sacrificed and become an alcoholic and beat his wife and divorced and went to prison and wasted his life, right? 
would have that been a total waste? The gospel says we don't teach Jesus' sacrifice and his blood and then just live a life that we want to in our own strength, our own selfishness, and our power. That's a consumer gospel. Bonhoeffer called that cheap grace. Cheap grace. To treat the sacrifice that way and not respond to the way it was given to you. A life, and we're all in with our life, right? That's the gospel. The gospel is not cheap grace, it's costly grace. It costs the body and blood of Jesus Christ, God's son. And it requires a response of commitment, of followership. Jesus did not come to make Christians. He came to make disciples. Let's look at that this morning. Let's look at the gospel, see what they say. Listen to God's word. Make the decision for yourself. Flourishing according to Jesus comes from following comes from responding. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, a traveling rabbi, right? His ministry began some 30, 33 years old. He begins to proclaim this good news. Rabbis taught out of God's word, right? Rabbis taught how to live Torah, how to live the Old Testament laws in a way that was flourishing. The most important thing to a rabbi was not the message he preached, That was important, but it was making disciples who lived the message that he preached. And so he would recruit people to join him in following his way of life. That's what a rabbi did in the first century, right? And Jesus, in that format, was recruiting disciples. He was not only proclaiming the message of the good news, he was inviting men to come and follow him. It says that he was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter And another brother, Andrew, they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come and follow me, he said. He didn't say, come and listen. Not that listening wasn't important. He didn't say, come and sit in a seat and listen and go home and live your life any way you want to. I mean, some people that would come to the American church to say, is your gospel is come and listen. Come to a building, listen to a great sermon, check off the box. I'm a Christian, I prayed a prayer, I'm going to heaven, and I'm going to live my life my way. That's not the gospel that Jesus came to preach. He said, come and follow. Why did he say that? Because Jesus believes that you can become like him. Have you ever considered that as a rabbi, what Jesus was saying in that culture? I believe you as my student, as my apprentice, my Talmudin. You can become like me. That is the call of the gospel. Through my power, through my teaching, through my strength, through my influence in your life, that's what a discipleship relationship is. As you walk close to me, as you learn from me, as you train with me, as I infuse my life and my teaching into you, you can become like me. That is the gospel. And so that's the word discipleship, not just Christian. Matter of fact, Christian is only used three times. Acts 11, look it up. Acts 11 was the church at Antioch. The gospel was being proclaimed. People were following the way of Jesus. And some of the spiritual outsiders, those outside of the church, said, those guys, they're Christians. Little Christ, little Jesuses, because not that they, they talk like him or they listen like him, they live like him. They actually live like Jesus. Christian is a term to def- call a disciple a little Christ, somebody who looks like Jesus. That is the authentic way that it's proclaimed in the gospel. We are here to learn. 
in the power and grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ to live like him under his influence, the influence of the Spirit now living inside of us, learning to live like him under the teaching of his gospel through his word. That is discipleship, learning to live like Jesus as he, if, if he were living his life through us right now. If you're a doctor here this morning, what does it look like for Jesus to be a doctor in Orange County today? If you're a financial consultant, what does it look like for Jesus to be a financial consultant in the world today? If you're a CEO, how would Jesus leave my company if it was here with me in my company today? If you're a student, what would Jesus do as he walked onto the campus of Orange County? How would he live his life in the OC campus today? If you're a restaurant person like me, right? How would Jesus serve his customers, the customers that I encounter and deal with the situations that I deal with in the restaurant industry today? How would Jesus live his life if he were you today? That is the question of discipleship. That is the question that Jesus came to bring us into that life. He made this life available to us, right? This flourishing life through his good news. What was his good news? Was his good news, hey guys, if, if you pray a prayer and you believe that Jesus died for your sins, you'll go to heaven when you die. How many times in the Gospels does Jesus say that? Does anybody know how many times in the Gospels Jesus says, let's just, you pray a prayer, accept my forgiveness, and when you, you got a ticket to heaven, we're all good, man, see you later. How many times does Jesus do that? He never does that. Because that's not the full gospel. That's, that's half of the gospel. Yes, that's true, but that's not the full gospel. Dallas Willard, one of the great spiritual leaders of our time, said that is the great omission. We've left discipleship out of the gospel. That's the hole in the gospel. And Jesus' good news is not heaven is available when you die. Heaven is available now. Eternity is now in session. Eternity is now in session. Right now, right here. What did he say? As John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news. What is it? The time has come right now, right here, guys, in Orange County. The time has come. The kingdom of God is available. It's come near to us in a way that it's never been available before. Turn, repent, and believe the good news. You see, heaven starts now, today, not just when you die. It starts right now, today. The kingdom of God has now, through Jesus, become available for ordinary humans like me, sinful humans, broken humans, frail humans, hurting humans, to live in the kingdom of God, eternity right now in our lives. That is the opportunity of the gospel, to respond to that. Flourishing begins now, not just when you die. It begins now. Because eternity is unhindered, unending relationship with God. Eternity is unending, unhindered relationship with God. Right now, right here. That is the gospel. And so it brings us into this opportunity to respond. Have you responded to the good news? Have you even heard that good news? Or have you only responded to half of the news? I like the ticket to heaven when I die, but what about the transformation that Jesus is saying happens today? That is the gospel. How did they respond? They dropped their nets. They followed him. They became his students. They became his apprentices. They were learning to live under the gracious rule and reign of God. They were learning to live under the gracious rule and reign of God 
through the person of Jesus who was bringing them into that opportunity. That is discipleship. For the kingdom of God, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the place where God reigns. It's the place where God's will is done right now, right here. It's not some faraway thing that we go to when we die. It's something that Jesus is breaking into the now. Jesus is bringing the kingdom of God into the now, right here, right now. And when anybody chooses to repent and follow him, that opportunity to live that kingdom in your marriage, to live that kingdom in your business, to live that kingdom in your relationships, in your community with your neighbors and your friends, that opportunity is now. For the kingdom of God, the apostle Paul said, is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, of peace, of justice, right? That kind of flourishing. See, where, where God lives, there's only righteousness. There's only right relationship with him and right relationship. With, he only does right, good, and pure and loving things. There's only joy. The joy that comes from relationship that's eternity and flowing in our lives. It's not based on circumstances. It's based on his life in us. There's only peace that surpasses knowledge and circumstances. The kingdom of heaven is now and can invade your heart and sit on the throne of your life right here, right now. And what is the response? Rearrange your life. Drop your nets. Rearrange your life. The course of your life. The pattern. Where is your life going? The pattern of your life. The practices of your life. The agenda of your life around him and his kingdom gospel. Rearrange your life around this cosmic opportunity to live in God's kingdom right here, right now. They turned away. That's repentance. Repentance is doing a 180, turning away from a pathway, turning away from a worldview to a new worldview, to a new course, to a new understanding, right? That's repentance. Change your thinking. Change the order of your life. Change your calendar around this opportunity. Change your financial worksheet around this. Change the way you live your relationships around this opportunity. That's ordering your life around Jesus and the kingdom of God. They turned away from the kingdom of self, right? Selfishness, self-righteousness. I can make it to God on my own. Self-sufficiency. I can live a life without God. I don't need God. They turned away from the kingdom of self, and they turned towards the kingdom of God. You're on the throne. You're ruling and reigning. It's your life in me. I trust and follow your plan. I trust and follow your purpose. I trust this identity you've given me in you. They turn from and to. Jesus' goal is not to get you into heaven, guys. Did you know that? That's what I've said many, many times. Jesus' goal is, not, is, is to get you in heaven. That's not his goal. His goal is to get heaven into you today. <laughs> yes, you're going to be in heaven one day. Jesus came to get heaven in you today so you would flourish in your marriage, you would flourish in your community, and his kingdom would come to earth. That's his goal for you. That's his goal for you, to get heaven into you today. This last week, I had a chance to celebrate an amazing thing. That Latino man, that little man in the middle there is the most strongest, beautiful disciple that God has ever given me the privilege to build. His name is Francisco. He, he came to Christ in a Bible study that I led at Marinus Church, and Francisco has flourished in the gospel. He just became a citizen of the United States. That's Joe Hill, that's uh, Ben Appleby and myself celebrating his citizenship as an American citizen. We went to the courthouse, and we cried because 21 years, 21 years that man has waited for American citizenship. 
And we, is that worth celebrating? Come on, praise God. Praise God, give it up. But you know, there's something unique in a ceremony. Has anybody been to one of these ceremonies before? This is my first one. It's a pretty awesome opportunity to go to if you haven't. But there's something unique in a ceremony. You know what happens before you say the Pledge of Allegiance as a citizen for the first time? They make you actually give up your allegiance to any other countries. They say to you, you are here, this is a sovereign nation, here's, here's the code of conduct as an American citizen, here's the Bill of Rights, here's all that it is to be an American citizen. But before, you need to give up your allegiance to another country, to another set of laws, to another set of sovereigns, and you need to renounce that so you can take this on. That's the gospel, if you, if you understand it. Jesus says, you're renouncing your citizenship in another kingdom. A kingdom that produces death and selfishness and pride and fear and control. You're going to let go of that self-centered kingdom and you're renouncing your, and you're giving your allegiance to me. You're proclaiming your citizenship in the kingdom of God. That's what a disciple does. He gives his allegiance to the king and his kingdom. He changes the course of his life. And Francisco, what a beautiful celebration. And God was talking to me in that about discipleship. It's about declaring your citizenship and living that citizenship right now, right here. That he gave you through his blood. He gave you through grace. You didn't earn that citizenship. He earned it for you on the cross, but you're responding. And you're living out your citizenship here now, today. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It's flourishing life right now. In the New Testament, life comes from God. Physical life, he created us. He gave us talents and things. He gave us this natural place that we live in. But also spiritual life. Jesus' kingdom message is that you don't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again, right? Born of the spirit. There's a natural birth and there's a spiritual birth. Zoe life, as one of my disciples tells me. That's the life that Jesus came to bring. Eternal life in your life right now. Jesus talked to a wise religious leader and he says, very truly, Nicodemus, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God, enter the kingdom of God, unless they're born again, born of the Spirit. And that means the kingdom of God lives in your heart. It starts with a new birth, right? The rule and reign of God begins in your heart. This is the testimony of John. God has given us that life, but that life is in his Son, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He who has the Son, right? He who has relationship with the Son, he who has been birthed into the Son's kingdom, has the life. He who does not, does not have the life. But because, Paul says in Ephesians, because of his great love for us, because God wanted you to live with him, right? God didn't create a heaven without you in it. He created a heaven so you could be with him in it. And the important thing about heaven, it's not so much a place as it is a person. It's God. It's relationship with him. And so because of his great love with you, God, who is rich in mercy, made you alive with Christ. Death and resurrection in your place. You died with him when he died, and you're raised with him when you put your faith in him. And now you take on that new life in him that flows in you and out of you. You were dead in your transgressions, but he's made you alive. See, this new life includes forgiveness 100%, but it includes so much more. 
Not just a fire insurance policy that when I die, I get to go to heaven. That's wonderful, but it's so much more. It's life now. It's the eternal life that comes from being a born again and living out that life right now under the rule of Jesus and the reign of the kingdom of God, right? It's not about primarily about relocation. It's about transformation. Is God changing your life through his Holy Spirit? Are you submitting to him? Are you trusting that he's moving you in the direction of becoming like Christ? If not, you don't understand what the gospel is. You don't understand why Jesus gave his life. He gave it so you could have new life now and live that out every day in the OC. It's about allowing his kingdom to permeate every aspect of our being, right? Flowing out into our bank accounts. Is Jesus alive in your bank account or do you have control of your bank account? It flows out in your marriage. Is Jesus alive in your marriage or are you in control of your marriage? It's about your parenting and discipling your kids. Is Jesus working with you in discipleship or are you in control of your kids? It's about your friendships. Are you trying to control and manage your friendships? Or is Jesus in control of the life you're living with your friendships? Your neighborhood, every aspect of your life, ordering around the kingdom flowing in and out of you. That's what a disciple does. That's how a disciple lives. It comes through loving union with him. You see, when we say yes to Jesus, we say yes to an eternal relationship, and we are united with him. Right? In his death, in his resurrection, we're united with him. And Jesus used this beautiful metaphor to talk about what it meant to live that communion with him on a daily basis. He, he called it an easy yoke. And he, he lived in a farming world, right? And people, there were farms and there were animals. And if you're a farmer and you're going to be smart, you're going to use a yoke to plow your fields, right? Ben talked about seeds and plowing. A yoke is an amazing farm tool because it takes one animal... And he partners it with another animal so they can plow a field effectively and not die or burn out, right? And, and the wisdom of farming says is you always take an old, old oxen like me and you put them together with a young oxen like Ben Appleby, right? And, and we plow the field together. And I have some wisdom to give Ben. I have some understanding of how to do this. I can talk to him about it, but I'm, I'm a little weary in my legs, right? Ben's got a lot of enthusiasm, but if Ben's plowing, he might see a young she-ox over there and say, we're out of here. He might see some water. and He might, we're out of here. And say, no, 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 that's not the way to do this, Ben. We're going to plow this field, and afterwards we get to rest. Listen to the wisdom, right? That's what discipleship is. It's, it's learning from Jesus how to live under his easy yoke. A rabbi used the term yoke for his teaching method. Take my yoke, take my way of understanding Torah, take the way that I live Torah upon you, and I will show you how to live it out in your daily life, right? I'll show you the rhythm of grace, right? That's Jesus' easy yoke. It's not burdensome, it doesn't chafe you because it comes through his life-giving grace, his forgiveness, his mercy, his acceptance of who you are and where you're at. Come to me if you're weary and heavy laden of trying to carry your own yoke, your own life, your way. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. Right? It's not a religious yoke. Jesus is not saying you need to do these things in order to enter my rest. You need to prove your worth. You need to earn heaven before I'm going to give it to you. No, Jesus says I've given you heaven by grace. 
I'm teaching you under my yoke how to live that heaven out today. That's the secret of the easy, easy yoke. It's not burdensome, but it's easier and light, right? We have been united with Christ. That's a theological proposition. That's a truth. We're united with Christ. The easy yoke teaches us how to live that out every day in union and oneness with him. Under the easy yoke of his grace, he disciples us through the spiritual practices. The spiritual practices of daily walking with him in relationship. What are those practices? Just like a marriage, right? How, do, how, how does your marriage grow? Well, you got to talk to each other, right? And so how do you talk to Jesus, right? Well, it starts with listening. At least that's what my marriage counselor told me. Bucky, you got two ears and one mouth. Use your ears more than your mouth and your marriage is going to go a lot better. Well, if you use your ears versus your mouth with Jesus, your discipleship's going to do a lot better because you're going to listen to his word. You're going to open the scriptures and let him speak to you, right? Through the word of God on a daily basis and listen and then respond and speak back to him and talk to him about the, the cares and the burdens of your heart. You're together in this, right? And then he's going to bring some yoke fellows, some other disciples, no one gets discipled on their own. They need a community. This community is about discipling you. That's why we do small groups, right? That's a practice of learning to become like Jesus, praying together. I get to see somebody else like a Vance Gardner who's, who just spoke to you. He's an amazing man. He understands God's wisdom. And I watch how he lives that wisdom out in his life, and I'm yoked with him, and I'm learning from him how to go through the rhythm of suffering, how to have Thanksgiving. It comes through an incarnate life. That's practices in the easy joke. See, God gave you this family so you could grow up to become like Jesus. Come and follow, not just come and listen. Who's discipling you? Who, who are you yoked with in this church? That's why God put you in a local church, so you could walk with somebody who would disciple you and train you in the ways of Jesus. And some of you guys here, you're you're a mature oxen, right? You've been walking with Jesus for 30 or 45 years. Who are you yoking with as a younger disciple? Who are you showing how to have a great marriage because you've gained some wisdom on marriage and teaching the next generation? How have you showed somebody to live in spiritual purity and holiness with their body, right? Because you've had to do that. How are you teaching somebody generosity because some of you men have opened your wallets and you've given, you've given out of sacrifice, and you're teaching the next generation that greed is not the way to success. It's generosity. Who are you teaching and training through your life in the easy yoke of Jesus? That's why you're here, guys. That's what a church does. That's why God put you here so someone would disciple you and train you and that you would train others. That's where flourishing multiplication comes from, right? That's the gospel. And under this easy yoke of his grace, we begin to take on his meekness and humility, we begin to come, become like him because he is meek. He is lowly, he is humble, and that is the greatest, you know, meekness and humility. But look at that and go, ooh, who wants to be meek and humble in Orange County, man? You're not going to make any money. You're not going to have success. You, people are going to laugh at you. Who wants to be meek and humble in Orange County? Anybody sign up for that? Well, guess what? Jesus wants to be meek and humble in Orange County because that's the way flourishing happens. Humility is God's character. Meekness is who, it's strength under control so we would serve others and life would flourish in our marriage in Orange County and other places. He teaches us how to surrender and be content under his love, right? You don't have to bear the burden of proving your worth. He proved it for you on the cross. 
You don't have to bear the burden of creating your own purpose. He gave you a purpose under his easy yoke. You don't have to bear the burden of the guilt of your sins and your brokenness, a divorce, an addiction. He took care of that on the cross. He wiped it away, and he wants to take that burden of resentment and pain and hurt and guilt away from you. He, he'll shoulder that for you. He wants you to flourish by humbly being a beloved child of God. That is the greatest freedom. By being authentically who he created you to be. Not somebody else. Not putting on a mask and pretending. But his authentic love for you so you can be who he called you to be. This is the freedom of his easy yoke, man. This is the opportunity of discipleship. Our hearts begin to beat as one with him. Awesome. Our heartbeat becomes Jesus' heartbeat. We're changed from the inside out. You know, I don't know, it was maybe two years ago I had a, a, a back surgery. And the yoke of life was heavy, and I needed to learn a different rhythm. And I have a beautiful yoke mate. Her name is Kathleen, my wife, for 37 years. And she said, Bucky, I'm going to show you how to rehab your back. We're going to go to a women's gym, and you're going to learn Pilates with the girls. And you're going to learn spin with the girls. No, no more of this CrossFit, blowing out your back with these big wakes and brawn. That's silly. That's a heavy yoke, man. You need to learn how to exercise in a rhythm that's beautiful for you. And so I do this spin with Kathleen, and all of a sudden I start loving this. And this girl that's my coach, right, my discipler, she's changed my back. I'm not aching or hurting. I'm getting up and I'm flourishing. I want to go to work. I'm not under this yoke of an achy old back because the core is strong and I'm learning to train with her in a rhythm that's amazing. And the most amazing thing about that rhythm, when I first started, she said, get an Apple Watch because I, I want to talk about, about your heart rate here like Vance talked about. I don't want to talk about the rhythm of your heart. And so I had a watch, and Kathleen had a watch, and, you know, we would rev it first, and my heart would go up to 170. Oh, no, that's way too much, man. Let's bring that back down. And all of a sudden, my heart rate would get way, way, way down. Oh, that's way too low. That's not flourishing. And she was training us as we did spin and how to keep our heart rate in the zone of burning the old stuff and having good energy, right? Have you heard about that zone, right? Orange Theory is based upon that zone, right? And it's the funny thing is, a couple of weeks ago, she starts, keeps tracking, and Kathleen goes, oh, I'm at 142, and Bucky, I'm at 142. Kathleen, you're at 157, I'm at 157. You're at 135, I'm at 135. We don't need these watches anymore, because our hearts are one now. We have the same rhythm, no matter where we're at. It's amazing. She goes, this is crazy. You guys' heart beats the same now as we work out. I'm keeping you both in the zone. You understand, Jesus? You know why people burn out in Orange County? Why people are so burdened? They have a spiritual heart arrhythmia. They have a spiritual heart flutter. Their hearts are out of control because they're chasing after money, power, and success. And they're so anxious to get it, their hearts are going all over the place. And they're burning out, and they're burdened, and they're depressed. Or their heartbeat is so low because they're hopeless, and they're discouraged, and they're down. They're either up here or down there. And Jesus says, come and let me put my yoke upon you and bring you into the rhythm of life. I'll put you in the zone where your spiritual life is flourishing, where you're going at the right pace, and you're doing the right thing, so life will come out of you. Eternal life, kingdom life, into your marriage and your, your relationships and all that you do. I'll put you in the spiritual zone, but you've got to train with me. See, the gospel's opposed to earning. We don't earn salvation, but it's not opposed to effort. 
It's not opposed to effort. Effort is the work that we do with Jesus to work the kingdom out. Are you making the effort? Are you opening your Bible? Are you praying for the lost? Are you sharing your faith? Are you loving your wife as Christ loved the church? Are you asking for forgiveness when you fail and you break things? Are you being honorable with your integrity? Jesus wants to work these things out so the world is changed by the power of his love. He wants his heart to be with your heart to be one through the gospel. That's his offer to you. That is the easy yoke. That is the call of discipleship. Come and follow me. Do you want to follow Jesus this morning? Do you want his easy yoke? You know, we're going we're gonna to end our service here in a time of celebration and worship. I'm going to ask the team to come up. I just want to pray for you this morning. Maybe you feel like your life is not flourishing because you are burdened by the yoke of problems and fears and failures or things discontent, and you're not flourishing because you're not under that yoke, and you want to say, Jesus, I want to let go of that yoke. I want to come under your easy yoke. I want to come under your grace. I want to follow you. You see, this table, we're going to take communion. And Jesus said this to his followers. Whenever you do this, remember me. Celebrate that you're in the easy yoke because of my body and blood. See, Jesus gave his life so you could take on that yoke of forgiveness and grace and mercy and the power of his spirit, right? To rest from trying to create your own salvation. To re- that's one of the rests he gives us, trying to create, trying to be your own savior. Do you want to rest from being your own savior here today, this morning? Do you want to rest in the power? That's the other rest, the power of his grace in your life today, that he can have you flourish under the power of his spirit. Do you want to take on that yoke this morning? I'm going to ask you to pray with me and just tell Jesus, I want to follow you. Wherever you're at today, I want to follow you. I want to give you this stuff, and I want to flourish under easy yoke. Maybe you need to become discipled by somebody. You need to join a group. Maybe you need to ask for mentoring. Or maybe you're here because God's calling you to step out and disciple somebody else in this church. I know the Spirit of God is moving today. He's working in your life. He's touching your heart. He wants to give you a burdenless life under his easy yoke so you can bear the weight of loving others, loving God and loving people. That's the zone that he wants to bring you into. Let's bow our heads this morning as we prepare to take communion. We've got four tables. We're going to have a time of worship and respond. Take, take the bread, put it in the cup, and say, Jesus, thank you for your easy yoke. Thank you for your body and blood that you gave so that I could rest, have true rest under the wonderful relationship of your easy yoke. If you want that this morning, I'm just going to ask you to courageously raise your hand here. I want to pray for you this morning. If you want the easy yoke, just raise your hand to Jesus. Say, Jesus, this is my commitment. I, I see that. I want that yoke. I want to take, thank you. I want that yoke. I want the yoke that is easy, that only comes from you. I want to walk as your disciple, your apprentice here this morning. I want the freedom that you came to give me. Just tell that to Jesus right now in your heart. Pray to him. Take a moment just to ask him to bring you into that yoke through discipleship. Jesus, thank you so much that you came to give your life that we could become your disciples. This morning, we want to respond to that good news. I pray that the kingdom of heaven would be now here and would invade the lives of everyone, that that easy yoke would be available and people would grasp it and people would walk in this rhythm of flourishing, Lord God. Heal the hurts. Heal the the arrhythmians. 
heal the fluttering hearts and burdened lives today and bring them into that place of flourishing under your yoke, power, peace, joy, righteousness. Bring that today, Jesus, as we worship you. Fill us with your presence. We celebrate your body and blood. We thank you for the gift of eternal life that only comes in your name. We celebrate this life in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation.